0: Takes your, your iPhone or whatever, hours generally to charge so that you can use it for one day. It takes hours of charge to run for one day, but we want to spend just a few minutes with God and think that is gonna have us living in power all day.
1: Come on. As you can tell, we're in for another practical and timely lesson as we continue to learn about prayer. Here's Pastor David.
0: For those of you who have read the scriptures who know Christ's words, you know that it was a big deal to Jesus Christ that we be unified, that we be one. So when we pray, and we say, Our Father, we're recognizing that unity that exists. That unity. But the idea in itself that we can say our Father is, I can't even begin to understand, you can't begin to understand how amazing and incredible it is to be able to refer to God as our Father. The creator of the universe is our Father, our adopted Father who's saying, call me Father. Listen to this, Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba! Father, Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba. It's much more than just saying Father. Right? If you go to your father and say, Father, I would like to borrow the car, that's kind of a nerdy thing to say. I don't know. It's kind of like, it's up here. It's not close. Right? It's formal. Abba is more personal. And familiar, it's a first word kind of word. Most babies, their first word is something like dada, right? Daddy, papa, abba. It's that kind of a word. It's that kind of a word. It is familiar. It is close. It's like saying daddy. We're crying out to him. Daddy, that's the kind of closest we have that God has given us. But here's the thing. The world... The unbeliever, the lost, they don't know the Father. The unbeliever is not calling out in the power of the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. It's not happening. Listen to 1 John 3.1. See what kind of love the Father has given us. We are called God's children, and that is what we are. For this reason, the world does not recognize us, because it did not recognize him either. You and me, if you're a Christ follower, you and me are God's adopted children. We cry out, Abba, Father, by the Spirit of God. If you are not a Christ follower, that's not the relationship that you have with God. You would be his child only in the sense that you were created by him. But you are, he is not your Abba Father. You do not feel that relationship with him. You do not have that relationship with him. But don't you want it? If you're an unbeliever, or even if you're a believer and you're not living in that reality, don't you want it? Don't you want to know the perfect father and to be his child? Don't you want to rest in him? Don't you want to know that he will wipe every tear away? As it says in Revelation 21, that he will love you, that he will care for you, that he knows everything that you have ever done, every single thought that you've had, and yet he sent his only begotten son to rescue and redeem you. We have an incredibly hard time just forgiving someone who steals something from us or or talks badly about us. Our Father knows everything you have ever done, every horrible action, every horrible thought you have had, all the thoughts you've had against his children that he created in his image and likeness, and yet he sent his son to die for you. Don't you want that kind of a relationship with someone who loves you that much? do you want that love unconditional, without measure, overflowing, eternal, and secure? The Father loves you. But some of you who are here or who are watching online or who are listening to it or whatever, some of you don't know him. You're not his adopted children. You don't call him Abba. You don't call him Abba, Daddy, Father, through your spirit and the Holy Spirit. You've made yourself his enemies. He doesn't want that. He wants you to come home like the prodigal son returning. He wants you to come home and experience his love and be part of his family, the family of believers that all of us are, us Christ followers together. This week is, is Thanksgiving week, and what more could we be think, thankful for than for each other? What an amazing thing. I'm thankful for my family, for my wife, for my children, for my son-in-law, for, for all those people. But I'm also so thankful for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. What an amazing gift we have, being adopted children of God, who together can cry out, Abba, Father, our Father in heaven. What an amazing thing, an awesome thing, because God is holy and pure and powerful, far, 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 and exceedingly far above all. But at the same time, he's our father. This is something that we should be humbled by. We should be in silent reverence before God, just thinking about the fact that God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, all-loving, all-holy, and... All our Father. Prayer is an incredible thing. That we can talk to our Father God, that we can enter his throne room in prayer. How many of you all could just call up even like the mayor of Portland or the mayor of Vancouver and be like, hey, let's go out to dinner? Not many of you. Maybe a couple of you. That's just like our local city leaders. How much, can you call the governor? How many of you can do that? Probably even less of you could just call the governor and be like, let's hang out. Probably even fewer of you could call our our national leaders or your favorite celebrities that everybody seems to gawk at and think that they're so wonderful, right? And these are just regular old people, just like you and me. There's nothing particularly valuable about the fact that they're famous or whatever. But you probably couldn't call them up and hang out with them. And yet you have access to the throne room of God. And do we treat it like the honor that it is? Do you cry tears of unspeakable joy? That God, the creator of the universe, the most high, the ancient of days, the holy and loving God of the universe wants to spend time with you and with me. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. But for many of us, we can rarely put more than a few minutes of our day into just spending time with him. That's the fact. We should probably take these things, these phones, out of our pockets and into the trash and cancel our Netflix and our Disney Plus and our whatever if those things are going to keep us from spending time with our Father. If somehow those things could be more important to us than going into the throne room of God. If you met the Queen of England, I doubt you would be sitting there tweeting while she was talking to you. If you would, you're super rude. Don't do that. You got to know Queen etiquette if you're going to go meet the Queen, Right? But here's the thing. We often would rather check our Facebook than turn our face toward God. Sit there doing that. Oh, hey, I haven't prayed in four days. And as I wrote this and as I prepared this, I was convicted by it. We want the power of God in our lives, but we don't want to spend time with him. We want the result, but we don't want the effort. We want his power, but we're not acting like we want him. Take your iPhone or whatever hours, generally, to charge so that you can use it for one day. It takes hours of charge to run for one day, but we want to spend just a few minutes with God and think that is going to have us living in power all day? Come on. We wake up, we're like, God, thanks for the breakfast. Uh, give me a great day, and I'm out. Well, maybe I'll talk to you for a couple seconds when I eat my burrito at lunch, if I remember. That's wildly, wildly out of line with who we say we are as Christ followers. We should want to want God, not just to need him. We should want to want God for him, for who he is. He is so, so, so good to us. He's been so, so, so good to me. that It is beyond my reckoning, my understanding that he would even think about me. Why should he care about me? Some dude out of billions of people on the earth right now and billions that have lived, living over in Vancouver, why, why does he care about me? Psalm four three, Lord, what are human beings that you should care about them? Or mortal man that you should think about him? We need to understand that when we say our Father in heaven, it is an unspeakable joy and humbling Honor to even get to say those words and to know that He hears us and listens to us. What an amazing thing! And then we say, "Hallowed be Your name." According to D. A. Carson, to hallow means to sanctify, to make holy, or to consider holy. What we're doing when we say is we're recognizing how holy and awesome and pure our Father is. We often, in the church these days, we stress the importance of closeness. With our God and Father, that that daddy relationship. And we should. It's an incredibly important relationship. But at the same time, we have to hold, at the same time as that, how powerful and awesome and holy and great and pure He is. We ought not to allow our father child relationship and the closeness of that and His intense love for us to cause us to lose our awe and reverence for Him as the God of the universe. God is holy and powerful and awesome, far beyond our imagining. We should always show him the reverence and worship that he deserves. That's where we need to be. So we say, hallowed be thy name to bring us into that place. Our father, boom, there we are, daddy. And then hallowed be thy name. And I recognize you as the great God of the universe. And I recognize where I stand at that. And how amazing it is, I can even have this conversation with you. That's where we start. Then we pray for his kingdom to come. We want to see the fulfillment of God's kingdom when all will be made new. You can read all about that in Revelation chapter 21. Jesus is coming back to rule and to reign. Jesus is coming back to rule and to reign. That is the hope of every Christ follower. Every one of us should be hoping for that. Listen, Revelation 22, 20 through 21. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This should be our constant hope and our constant prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come Lord. Have we become too comfortable with this world that we aren't thinking about that, that we aren't praying for that, that we aren't hoping for that, that we aren't begging for that? That we desire something less than for Jesus to return quickly? I remember when I was young, it's a while back, and I, you know, I wanted Jesus to come, I guess. Like, that seemed okay, but I also kind of wanted to, like, get married and go to college and, you know, have a visit this place and what, whatever. The pleasures of the world that I thought were going to come as I got older. I wanted all those things, too. And what that showed was, I mean, I understand it because I was dumb and I was a kid and whatever, but it showed how little I understood about what it means for Jesus to return. We want Jesus to return because here's the deal. Whatever you think you want to experience, whatever pleasures and joys that you think this broken, fallen world will offer you, it is all nothing, dust and ashes in comparison to being in the presence of Jesus Christ. Nothing compares to Jesus. It is all nothing compared to the fulfillment of all God's promises when all will be made new. There is no pleasure on earth that can begin to compare with what Jesus has planned for us. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Don't get comfortable here. Don't do it. Look for, ask for, pray for God's kingdom to come. Wanting to wait here for the pleasures of the world? Like, just hang on a little while, Jesus. I just want to get that promotion. I just want to take that Hawaii vacation. That's like being a homeless person waiting out behind the store, and somebody drives by and says, hey, I'll take you to the nicest restaurant in town. You go, hang on, wait. They're about to throw the two-day-old donuts out, and some of them might not have mold on them. That's where you are. That's how, that's how locked into craziness it is when we think that we want the pleasure of this world rather than for Jesus to return. We want him to come. We want him to come now. He offers joy, unspeakable, eternal Beyond what you could even imagine. Literally, he is, in this fallen world, your brain is is such that it cannot even imagine what he has for you. You're not capable of understanding how good it's going to be. That's pretty good, because I can understand a lot. I can think of a lot of really good things. And I can't even imagine. Nor has anyone ever heard or seen or had to enter in their heart how great the things are that Jesus is going to do for us. Come Lord Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. And we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is good, right? We want to know His will. We want to do His will. We want others to do His will. And make no mistake, God's will is going to be done, period. But we want it done on earth like it is in heaven. You know how it is in heaven? Without sin without lies and deception, without pain, without sorrow. We want God's perfect will to be done perfectly in perfection. (laughs) That's what we're looking for. His will to be done on earth as is in heaven. It goes right along with your kingdom come. We want to see his will done, and we want to take away all that's in its way. Which means we, if we're going to pray that, we have to live out his will. And the easiest way to start doing that is to follow his commands that Jesus Christ has given us. Just right here, right? The Son of God, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, has spoken clearly to us his commands. If we just took what's in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew and just did those things perfectly, I think things would go pretty well. What do you think the world would look like? Pretty good. That's not even like, that's just three chapters of the whole Bible. If we could just concentrate on that and do it, we'd be doing pretty well. You want to know God's will? We're learning it. We're studying it. Do it. That's what we're praying. God, help us to do your will. And the next three sections of the prayer are about our needs. Our needs. It says, give us this day our daily bread. We're asking God to take care of our physical needs. Lord, take care of our physical needs. Not just, not just me. Don't give me this day my daily bread. Give us our daily bread. All your children. But usually... We want more than just our daily bread. Usually, we want many days of bread. The Israelites got manna in the desert, right? And they got it one day at a time. One day at a time, they would get bread. And they were allowed to collect just that day. On the Sabbath, they could collect for two days so they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. But they would collect one day. If they collected more than one day, the bread would go rotten. God wanted them to rely on him every day for that day's bread. See, that takes a special kind of relationship, a special kind of faith relationship to depend on God to provide for you each day. But that's not how we are. We want enough to last a lifetime or even better, two or three lifetimes, 10 lifetimes, 100 lifetimes, right? I want enough for my children's children's children to never have to worry about anything and to be completely secure to be able to take care of themselves. We don't want to rely on God. We want to have enough that we don't have to rely on God. When we're little, two years old, we totally rely on our parents. We totally do, right? We figure they're going to do what they're going to do. You want to eat? Mom or dad are going to have to feed you. You wake up in the morning, and you're like, okay, I'm not in control of all this. Those tall people are running the show, right? They're going to be the ones that if they don't change my diaper, I'm going to stink. If they don't feed me, I'm going to be hungry, they got to do it all, and you just, you just trust your parents to do it day by day. My parents never came to me and were like, hey, can I get two days of food? I'm just going to pack it there underneath my crib there. Don't know that I trust you, right? I, I, <laughs> I, I, kids don't come to their parents and say, look, I don't trust you to give me things out as I need them. I want the security of knowing I can take care of it all myself. That's not how children are. That's why one of the things that Jesus tells us is if we want to enter the kingdom, we got to come like children. Children depend on their parents every day. Every day. That's where we should be. But we want security. We want security. We think if God gives us enough right now, we'll have security for a year, for two years, for 10 years, for a lifetime. But here's the thing it's all a lie. It's all a lie. People all over the world throughout time, if you know anything about history, you know that people who have had security have lost it in an instant, they've had wealth and lost it in a moment. The French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, Jews in Nazi Germany, people in the Great Depression. I could go on and on and on. Every city that's ever been taken over or occupied or whatever, the people who have had wealth have lost it all in a day, in a moment. They were rich and in an instant they had nothing. What are you promised by money? You are not promised security. You are not promised security. We worry And we argue and we fight and we comment on Facebook about who our next political, functional savior will be. Who's going to protect our interests and make sure that we have enough money and make sure that our economy... Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Look, God is the one who will provide for you. God is the one who will provide for you. God.
1: What a powerful and challenging truth We all need to trust a lot more in God and a lot less in ourselves and our stuff. Now, if this kind of no-nonsense Bible teaching is something you'd like more of in your life, come see us here at Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington. Get easy directions and all the info you need at ActsChurchNW.org. Hope to meet you this Sunday. And I hope you'll join us next time for the final episode in this teaching on the Lord's Prayer here on Contemplate.